Welcome everybody to the Myers and Street Podcast. This episode, we are joined by my co-host Tony Stroot and our special guest, Mr. Andrew Robinson Powell. I would say majority of this podcast is dedicated to the guillotine format. Uh, we go through some some lessons learned from our first go round last year, and then we explain really uh, some of the formats we're trying to push out uh, this coming year, assuming we have an NFL football. So with that. Uh, Enjoy the podcast, and apologies for Big Ben. You're listening to the Myers and Stroop Podcast, your source for poor advice. Yeah, duh. Let's go with me. Useless information. Works for me. And oh, uh, did we mention fantasy football? With your hosts, Nate Myers and Tony Stroot. go time okay good evening everybody uh welcome to the myers and stroop podcast uh tonight joined by mr andrew robinson powell good evening sir how the hell are you howdy uh just recuperating from from a father's day weekend i hope it was good for you both (laughs) exhilarating and you nate it was amazing definitely social distancing as much as i should be uh, as much as much as one can. Uh, it's good though. It's a good weekend. That's good. So tonight's going to be a little different than what we've talked about in the past. Usually it's kind of free flowing, kind of talk about whatever. Uh, we had a very specific topic in mind tonight, and uh, that's partly because I sent that big ass email out, which you probably read fifteen percent of last week, or you might have ignored entirely. Uh, the new guillotine leagues that we are setting up for the 2020 fantasy football season, if it happens uh, right now. I mean, I saw a couple players on the Bucks already came down with uh, COVID-19, uh, Texans and Cowboys as well, including Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, so who knows what the hell is going to happen. But uh, right now we're at least under the assumption that some kind of football is going to take place. And we'll um, we'll figure out the details here in the coming months. Um with that said, though, uh, last year, the three of us on, on this uh, on this podcast, along with 14 other people, we put together a guillotine fantasy football league. And if you've been listening to these podcasts or you read any of my emails, you, you should have a general idea of what that is. Uh, but I figured it wouldn't hurt to kind of go through what that is exactly. Uh, it can really be any kind of fantasy football league. You can set up any scoring system, any draft, any roster setup you want uh but there's really two key details that are different from a traditional fantasy football league uh one it's not head-to-head matchups so you're not playing against any one person every single week you're actually playing against kind of the entire league and two uh along with that the lowest score every single week is eliminated from the league um you don't come back you don't play again you don't get a second chance uh you are straight up dropped from the league and your entire roster is released to the waiver wire you're guillotined, so to speak. Um, that really creates a really interesting ultimatum for a lot of teams where, where they have to treat every single week as this can be my last. You, you can finish your damn season in September or October or November. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you finish in fourth place or 17th place. You, you're still going to lose way ahead of schedule. Uh, I think it's really cool that we have both Nate and Andrew on this call right now because these are the guys who actually finished 1-2. And uh, Nate, you want to tell everybody who ended up winning it all? 
Yep, that, that would be me. <laughs> that was you. Well, congratulations again, sir. Uh, first year going in, we didn't know what the hell was going on, but these guys apparently had a better idea than anybody else did. Because, um, again, they made it all the way to the championship week in week 16. Um, I, I figured the easiest way to kind of sell people on this is to really talk about how our 2019 season is, because a lot of people that are hopefully listening in now are in the same position that we were one year ago where we're thinking, what the fuck is this league? This seems kind of dumb. It seems a lot of differences that, that I'm not used to here. Uh, so we were just going to kind of walk through our league from start to finish and uh, try to sell you on that as well as all the different formats that we have planned. Uh, Cause if you looked at that email, you'll saw, you'll see there's a whole bunch of different ways uh, that I've proposed on, on doing these 2020 leagues. Uh, so, Starting in the beginning, I mean, first off, we got 17 people, uh, people from Houston, people from my, from, uh, my high school back in Indiana, uh, some random people I knew I met on the internet. We got 17 of us, and we decided, I think the better way to do a draft for a league like this is for an auction draft. Um, guys, I sent you the link to our original draft results of who picked whom. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, looking at the initial rosters, uh, Compared to your final rosters for championship week, Nate, you only had two players that were on your team the entire season, uh, Joe Mixon and Lamar Jackson. And you obviously crushed it with Lamar. Uh, and then Andrew, you didn't have a single player that you drafted uh, on your final roster for championship week. Uh, what are your thoughts on that initial draft and just kind of how that played out throughout the season on, on having, having to get rid of those guys once you had a chance to uh, replace them with better guys? Do you want me to have a go at this first, night? Go for it. You were so. Sick. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, <laughs> th- there's a the draft was interesting. Obviously, if you've done an auction draft before, you, you kind of know how that goes. But your mindset generally when doing an auction draft is picking players for the season, and I think that's kind of what I tried to do in this one. I, I wasn't sure how to strategize at all. We probably all kind of did the same thing. Um, but I, I think the the, the kind of key after the draft, after a couple of weeks of getting the hang of this league, was realizing that we're not playing to get to week. We're not playing to get to the last week. We're playing this week by week. I just need to survive this week. Um, and I, I was able to pull off a trade or two along the way um, that really helped. I think I got DeAndre Hopkins and I got George Kittle along the way. Um, little things like that where I was able to bite the bullet and drop players like Todd Gurley, who you just couldn't fathom doing that in a season-long league. You've kind of just got to put your head in a different space and realize we're not playing this to get to the end. We're playing this to get to the next week. And uh, I found that by doing that, that's what actually helped me get to to the final where uh, I played Mike Boone, I believe, over Aaron Jones, which uh, I'm not sure would have made too much of a difference. But, I mean, Mike Boone. I should have known better. (laughs) We'll talk more about that championship matchup here in a little bit. Oh, we don't have to. <laughs> Nate, your thoughts on the draft? Yeah, so, I mean, the draft was interesting. I mean, one, this was an auction format. With 17 people, too, so it wasn't exactly yeah. a easy way to get all the players that you want that way. Yeah, I mean, taking out it being guillotine and 17 players auction is just always... It's a... 
it's, it's an unknown as far as what's going to happen. And you're going to have some wild cards in the mix, people that are, are bidding way too high on certain players. Um, so luckily we've had experience of we've ran some 16 team auctions before. Um, and we've been able to run through that to see what it looks like. Um, but this, this draft itself, I mean, I was kind of focusing on some, some boomer bus players, um, and mixing it with some players I also thought would have some sort of consistency. Um, as, as Andrew mentioned, you know, my, my goal wasn't to, to build this initial roster to draft a roster that's going to win it all but I did want to make it through to at least mid season to give myself an opportunity to, to pick up some players on the waiver wire, but I had no idea what it was going to look like and what sort of players would be available by the time I got dropped out. So it, for me, how I talk about, you know, high risk, high reward, but then, you know, a comfortable player. So Lamar Jackson is that, high risk, high reward to me, you know, it was still unknown what he could do at the time. He flashed, uh, late 2018, but then I had, you know, Kirk cousins, who I thought was kind of just that kind of old reliable that if, if Lamar doesn't get out, I've got somebody. Yeah, exactly. To carry me through. And that was kind of my mindset between, you know, I had Darius Geis and Duke Johnson, people that had potential. But then on the flip side, you know, Joe Mixon, who I felt had a little bit more consistency to him, and players like Kenny Galladay, who I, I think were – they had potential to do well, but they're not going to be like your top top three, top four players per position. So that was kind of my initial mindset uh, into that draft and just to see – what I could do. There, there were a lot of players admittedly I missed out on too on that draft and I wish I would have bid more. Um, I, I was pretty frustrated with myself over some things and for what some players went for. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it all panned out. Yeah, personally, I was going for, I had about seven or eight guys that I was really, really high on. And uh, every different website said, yeah, these are worth in a 16 team league close enough for a 17 league, 17 team league. They're worth about this in, in an auction draft. And most of them went for 30, 50% more than that. And I just really couldn't compete. So I ended up going with, so instead of doing my kind of balanced approach, I ended up having to do kind of a studs and duds, uh, not intentionally. And that's just kind of how it played out. So the, the guy that I really targeted from, from minute one was Michael Thomas and he was huge for me until he had a bye week. So whoops. Um, then I stacked him with Julio Jones, who was also a monster, but the damn problem was they had the same bye week. So that really kind of kicked my ass. Um, beyond them, I took Curry on Johnson, who I thought was good. He ended up getting injured as he, I think he has every single year so far. So I should have saw that coming. Uh, but then beyond that, I had a whole bunch of single, single digit guys. I mean, Royce Freeman for $7, Vance McDonald for four and everybody else for one, two, three dollars a piece. Um, so I knew that early on, I really had to put together my, my roster pretty quickly. Uh, but I also went in with that same mindset thinking, no, I can't spend all my money in the first couple of weeks because then I'm going to get crushed as soon as I'm broke and everybody has more money than me. Um, I, I bring that up as kind of a segue to week one and 
just to, to look at week one, basically the first team that was eliminated was Chris Lindley, a buddy of mine from high school. And he actually is a really knowledgeable fantasy football guy. He just ran into a really crappy string of bad luck. Um, he spent most of his most of his draft budget on Tyreek Hill, uh, who going into the season, once he was cleared of, of his uh, domestic abuse charges and everything, we were thinking, oh, crap, this can be a, a top five wide receiver now. Uh, he had Jameis Winston, Matt Breda, Chris Carson, Latavius Murray, Will Fuller. I mean, for, for a 17-team league, this was a good team to start out with. Um, he just ran into a string of really crappy luck when Tyreek Hill got injured in, I think it was the first quarter, it was at least the first half of that of that game uh, to open up the season. Uh, and really, his entire team outside of Chris Carson really underperformed. Um we were watching all, all these different matchups, uh, a bunch of us over at um, at Nick's place. Uh, I don't know, were you guys paying much attention to the to the different uh, guillotine rosters when you were doing this? In terms this, of first off, who's, players, whose clock is that? I wouldn't be English. I wouldn't be English if I didn't have Big Ben going in the background. <laughs> is it bedtime already, man? <laughs> Almost. Don't worry, we got six more. <laughs> so, are you saying are we paying? Were we paying attention to other teams' rosters? Or yeah, I mean, what I really liked about myfantasyleague.com is that it really creates a good one-stop shop to kind of monitor all the other guillotine teams uh, to see how their players are doing, who's still left. God damn, that clock is really obnoxious. <laughs> I, I mean, I showed me that. to restart it. No, we're good, guys. Uh, but. Using MFL, uh, you can really see how the other teams are doing, how many players they have left, uh, what team, what's their projections looking like. Uh, were you really paying attention to that at any point in the day or not really until Monday night? <sighs> if you it's can't remember, more... then that's cool too because it, it, it really wasn't the most exciting week just because uh, Chris was kind of lower than everybody else, so it wasn't as, uh, as dramatic as, as other weeks were. I mean, I still pay attention. I can't remember where in the fold I, I was sitting. Um, it looks like I, was, I wasn't I was in the bottom five. So I, I don't think I was really stressing that week one. Um, yeah, actually, you, you two, both of you bastards finished, in the, finished first. First and second. Andrew first, Nate second. So you, you had nothing to worry about. I think I may have snagged Jameis um, shortly after that. But I don't think he got picked up on waivers. I think I it was able to get him for nothing. Well, going over to the the waiver wires then. So so his entire team uh, was released to the waiver wire, and um, I was thinking, okay, yeah, Chris Carson, good guy. He's not a top five running back, but he's top twelve ish, fifteen ish maybe. Uh, so I put in something like a twenty dollar bid for him. Uh, Nate, you put in what, what was the bid for him? Was it fifty one? Mm-hmm. 51 of your $200 uh, FAAB budget. So basically 25% of your budget um, for this running back. And, and you got him. And there, there was another bid in for 40 something. So it wasn't like it was a giant reach or anything. Um, but I know a lot of people went in with that mindset thinking, okay, I've got to spend very, very little in these first couple of weeks. And as these teams drop out, then if I'm going to save all my money to later in the season, that's going to be where it pays off for me. 
Um, you did the opposite approach. You had no problem spending a quarter of your budget on one player after one week. Um, and then you weren't afraid to spend a whole lot more over the, the coming month. Um, did you intend to kind of go big early or was that just something that happened based on the players that, that uh, became available? No, that was a hundred percent intentional. And I, I know I've talked on it on some of our previous podcasts. So if people want to roll their eyes and some going over it again, but you know, I think at that point in time, this was our, our first waiver wire pickup and our first opportunity to really make a move on some players. So for me, I did need a running back. I felt like Chris Carson was good enough that he was going to be solid enough to carry me through to hopefully with, with tight end with Mixon, um, you know, to, to the middle of the season, hopefully. But I also knew that somebody had to set the, set the starting point for running backs. And if I was waiting for a running back in week three, week four, the price point could be high. And so I felt that if I bid 51 for Chris Carson, that would put every single other owner in a position to have to pay much more for what they view as a better running back. So really my strategy was pick up a good player, but set the the market price or the going market price uh, for this level of running back with the intent to get other owners to overspend. Well, taking a look at week two, it looks like Alvin uh, Kamara went for $60. Um, Dak Prescott and and Chris Godwin went for more, but uh, as far as running backs, yeah, Kamara went for 60. And then looking in future weeks, so let's see. Yeah, David Johnson went for 57. Really, that that top running back each week usually went for a fair amount, 10 to 25% above that, uh, that 51%, $51 price point. So if that was your goal to really set that market and make everybody have that expectation that that's what you have to pay for, for a top tier guy, then it definitely worked. Um, Andrew, you, you had kind of the opposite approach where it looks like at least for the first three or four weeks, you didn't really spend much money on beyond a couple of $1, $2 guys. Uh, your first big spend, it looks like it was George Kittle. Um, was that because I did I didn't look at your roster beforehand. Was that just because your, your tight end situation sucked? You had really high hopes for Kittle uh, what was what was it about Kittle that really made you spend that much money on him above uh, anybody else that was available? So hopefully my memory serves me right, but um, I do remember saving my money um, as much as I could for the first few weeks despite the team. I just looked at the team that I drafted and it's bringing back nightmares. <laughs> $15 on AJ Green. What was I thinking? Um, hey, if he would have played, yeah. I could have played off. But uh, Yeah, yeah. If only, but um, I, I kind of figured that at that point he's the number one number one tight end in the league. I had money to spare. I don't know who my tight end was at that time, um, but it was obviously bad. It looks like it was Eric Ebron and Trey Burton were the tight ends that I drafted. So obviously I had a big hole in my team right there, and I felt like I can fill it by just spending big on one player. Hopefully he stays healthy for the rest of the season. And uh, I don't have to worry about it again. And I think it was maybe week 12, week 11, when I was I was about to go. It was Monday night football, I think. And um, I needed like 12 points with, at halftime with the Monday night football game. And San Francisco were already up by like 20. And it's like, they're just going to get to a point here with the bench players. And um, 
they came out the second half and Kittle caught a pass and then ran it in for about 80 yards. It was outrageous. Jeez. And uh, I was just I was just going nuts in the living room and it was just enough to get me above uh, Turd Ferguson, who uh, I then saw the following week in Navasota and he was not too happy to see me. But uh, that was huge. So I, I'm very happy with that investment. Little did I know that he'd go on to do that for me. But yeah, I saw there was a number one player at his position available and I had a hole, so went for it. Makes sense. Now, um, so around that same point that you, you put that big bid on Kittle, uh, week four was the first time that we had a really close matchup uh, for that final cut uh, at the bottom of our rosters. Um, it was between Clayton and uh, looks like Jared Poole. Uh, they finished within one point of each other, 76 and change to 75 and change. Um, Clayton started the Colts defense, and I could have told you don't do that, um, at home against the Raiders. and the Raiders at that point, not exactly a great team, but still the Colts defense was kind of garbage. So they put up negative one fantasy point. Um, and he stashed the Seahawks defense on his bench, uh, which actually put up 14 points on the road against the Cardinals. Um, the only reason I'm bringing this up is to say that really every single decision that you make on these rosters can make, can be the difference between ending in week four and potentially winning the whole damn thing. So if he, if he just started his other defense, um, he would have at least lived to see one more week. Um, we went through a whole bunch more weeks. Uh, other players got cut and got picked up, uh, close matchups, blowouts, whatever. Uh, we're going to fast forward five weeks until when my damn season came to an end. Um, I built up a pretty decent team. I, I'd like to say so at least I, I was really happy with how they were playing. Uh, and I still had a decent amount of, uh, of FAAB left. Um, I really just needed to get past one week. And I said in after the draft, uh, this was what I really needed to, to plan around. Uh, week nine, the Seahawks and, or sorry, the Saints and the Falcons, among other teams, were on by. So my uh, wide receiver trio of Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley were all not playing. Um, I had a couple of backups. DJ Chark was actually a superstar for parts of the season. Then he, he was... He was one of those studs and duds guys. He, he'd put up 25 points one week and then four the next. Uh, I really hoped he would put be the 25-point guy this week, but of course he ended up putting up five and five point something. Uh, so I started him, Ro uh, Robbie Anderson, and Golden Tate. Not exactly a formidable trio. Um, I was hoping that'd be at least good enough for, for not last place, but that didn't happen. Um, I was going up against uh, Ashton and also uh, Bryce, uh, we were all kind of neck and neck, uh, going into Monday night football and Bryce got ahead early and toward the end of the game, uh, Ashton had Amari Cooper who had a late, I think it was a fourth, fourth quarter, uh, touchdown, uh, to pass me for good. And then he made it at least until the next week. Um, there was a, a damn golden Tate reception that he could, it looked like he could have just kind of put his arm across the goal line to go for a touchdown that that would have saved me. All these woulda, coulda, shouldas, uh, it ended up killing me, and I was punching holes in the wall. I, I wasn't, but I, I was really wanting to after that game, the way that it all played out. Uh, Nate, you ended up claiming Michael Thomas for $45 after after that week, which was over two-thirds of, uh, of your remaining uh, free agent budget. Uh, you think he was worth it for you? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was just unfortunate for you. And I know you mentioned the woulda, shoulda, coulda, but I mean, I, th I think he was, 
he was like the the league winner in terms of wide receivers. Um, and he he definitely was. I was very happy to get him. I knew he was going to be expensive. I I was trying to time out and plan out if I did win him, how much that would leave me, and what I think everybody else left in the league would have, and how how I can how I'm going to play this. You know, I think one other thing to note, though, too, I, during that same week, I also got Calvin Ridley for zero dollars, next to nothing. Yeah. Um. So I was easily, I mean, right off the bat, I was able to pull uh, Michael Thomas and Calvin Ridley and cycle through and revive my roster a little bit uh, in a time of need, uh, and that was what just really, I mean, that 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 pushed me uh, quite a bit. Okay. Uh, one week later, this is actually the, the closest week that we had, and I was already eliminated, so I don't know if it was all that exciting for either of you guys, even though you weren't involved. Um, but going into that Monday night football game, it looks like it was the Seahawks versus the 49ers. There are actually four teams, uh, Brent, Jared, Bryce, and Ashton. Uh, they were all within like two and a half points of each other. Um once it ended, once it ended and they were going back and forth throughout the entire game. Cause everybody had somebody, at least one, maybe two or three people playing on that game. Um, do you guys remember watching that game or even paying attention to it? I, I don't know if it was as exciting to, for, for you guys to spectate as it was for me. No, nah, I was paying attention to it. I, I'm sure I was watching it, but I <laughs> cannot remember a single thing from it to be honest. I think I only remember because on Slack, I know a lot of the guys were on there and going back and forth on it, Brent especially, and I think Jared as well. Um, they're thinking, oh, crap, this one play, whether a, a dropped pass or, or a fumble, uh, any one play can be the difference between going on to, to week 11 and, and their season ending at that point. Uh, Ashton ended up, after beating me, after knocking me out the previous week, he ended up being the the, the low rung on the ladder this time. So, so he got knocked out there. Um, but the other three guys, I think went out in like back to back to back weeks uh, shortly thereafter. So it wasn't exactly like they, they made it all that far. Um, going on to week 15. Uh, so now we're down to three people. Uh, it's both of you guys along with Nathan Brooks and in a kind of surprising turn of events. Uh, and for, background for anybody not aware the original payout structure that we had was really just for first and second place i forget the exact numbers but it was like a 80 20 split for first to second um these guys apparently talked offline and came to an agreement saying okay we're gonna have a three-way payout to ensure that everybody gets money um do either of you guys want to man up to admitting who started that conversation or you want to just keep that uh keep that quiet i don't know who wanted to start talking deals that point i'm fairly sure it was me um yeah that was driving that yeah (laughs) it's just a lot of effort put in there it is this is i mean it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of excitement but it's also a lot more work uh than a traditional league goes in just because you have to pay attention to so much crap uh so so i guess you decided just that it was better for everybody to get something at this point even uh even if the the first place payout wasn't as good well for, for me, Tony, I think the one thing was, I, I don't know if you look at the week 14 results, but I damn near got eliminated that week. And you talk about... By four net, points, yeah. Three and a half, actually, yeah. But And if you look at um, who 
who was Salmon? Jared Salmon, a yeah, uh, buddy okay. of mine. Yeah. Okay, so Jared, that was one where he had Russell Salmon. Wilson. Salmon. Okay. Yeah, you, you pronounce the L. Salmon. Salmon. Not the fish. Salmon. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, Jared. Um, Jared. Jared S. Yeah, Jared S. So he had Russell Wilson, um, and I was watching that entire game, and Russell had probably one of the worst games. All he had to do, I think it was actually potentially the Monday night game, um, and I was only ahead of him going into that game by, uh, I guess it would have been 15 points, and he had Russell Wilson, and I swear he had another player playing that game. Sunday night, it was uh, Seattle against at the Rams. Okay, at the Rams. So all all Russell Wilson had to do was score, I think, like over 15 points, and I was done, eliminated. And that one, I think, went to the very end. Did it go to – I think it almost went to overtime. Um. No, you know what the score 20, of that game was? Yeah, it was 28-12 Rams. Uh, looks like it was... Ah, that's wrong. Not particularly close. 28-12 Rams. You said the Rams the Rams won? Rams won, yeah. It looks okay. like, yeah, Russell Wilson really didn't do much of anything uh, in the... Really, the entire game. He didn't have a single touchdown pass. He had one... Um, he had no touchdown passes, so some rushing yards, nothing special. He only finished with 12, 12 points and change in, in a fantasy production. Well, I'm fairly certain that at the very end of the game that Russell Wilson got the ball back, was making a push at the very end there. And I know I was on edge watching to see what was going to happen. <laughs> um, and luckily it kind of went in my favor. But that's kind of what drove that conversation the next week. It's like, okay, we're down to three. Let's... I, let's at least I want to make like at least my entry feedback. Uh, sure, and that's what drove that. Yeah, I think when when you put the email out initially, it was the third place and second place. The difference wasn't too significant, so we took quite a bit from first place, but I'd pay them. But then we negotiated a little bit. We went back and forth between the three of us, and I think we we fell on a ratio that we all kind of thought was fair because I just didn't. In my head, I was like, if, if we've gone all this way, I want the winner to get some good winnings because um, it, it was grueling for, for the three of us. Um, so I think we ended up on a, on a ratio of like maybe 70% to first place and then 20 10, something like that for second and third. But um, then we just wanted to ensure that after the time we put in, if you won this thing, you won some good money. No, and... I mean, historically, I am entirely opposed to deals to kind of split it up and pay more people out. But in, in this league, especially once I saw that you guys decided on that, I was like, damn, that's probably a good idea. Uh, with the amount of just blood, sweat and tears that went into this league relative to a normal a normal league where you can really kind of coast for a couple of weeks and not really pay attention and still make the playoffs. Uh, I did not fall to anybody on that. So I'd say kudos to to at least offering that, even if you maybe won a little bit less with, with Nathan uh, taking a bigger chunk for, for, for third place. I think um, in, in, in hindsight, we probably would have liked to withdraw that deal considering I think we both <laughs> did so well in exactly. uh, week 15. Yeah, I, I will say though, Tony, if you go into, I mean, let's say, obviously we made the deal. I think we all felt that something was deserved for third place. But then if you look at week 15 results, Crushed it. And, I mean, crushed it. But I know there were also some questionable starts 
um, by Nathan Brooks. Um, and I know one for me was I kind of scratched my head when he chose to start Prescott over Mahomes. Um, mm-hmm. That was a questionable move. I think that I was just really confused on that because it, you know, I think it was Dak playing away a and Mahomes playing at home um, at the time. Dak against the Dak at home against the Rams and Mahomes played at home against the Broncos. Okay. And I don't know. I, to me, I, I would have rather gone with uh, the Mahomes, but I know he had Cooper and he has, I think he, he had Zeke Elliott as well. That's, that's a really Dallas heavy. If Dallas offense fails, your, mm-hmm. your team is failing. All in, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that, and I mean, it looks like he, he benched Mark Ingram and Aaron Jones, which I don't know their matchups, but, I mean, obviously when you've got Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, you, that was, those are probably the right calls, but I do remember kind of scratching my head about the whole Dak over Mahomes. Okay, well, uh Segue on head scratchers. Uh, week 16, Nathan's out, down to you two. Uh, you both have ridiculous teams. Uh, tons of other guys that would start on any other fantasy football league or even just sitting on the waiver wire, not even worthy of being on your bench. Um, you both started a third running back in your flex spot over a, another wide receiver or a tight end. Uh, that was effectively Joe Mixon for, for Nate. And then Andrew, you went with uh, Mike Boone of the uh, the Vikings, um, mm-hmm. third third string running back because Dalvin Cook was out, so was Madison. Um, it was a ballsy pick. Uh, it obviously didn't work out for you, but what what was your thinking that week? I, I remember that he was a a, a popular uh, pickup uh, just because of the guys ahead of him were out. Um, but what were what was your thinking on going with him over other options on your roster like Le'Veon Bell, Jarvis Landry, uh, Brashad Perriman? I'm not sure if you've got it there with you, but do you, do you have the matchup that Minnesota had that week? Um, I can find it real quick. Because I, th- I think that that was it a favorable quite, situation. I'm pretty yeah, sure they were. That was week 16. That yeah, was yeah, playing against the Packers. Packers, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe it was the Packers' run defense wasn't so good at that time of the year. But 21st. Every, I mean, I mean, I, I'm in the car driving to work every day and I'm listening to all these podcasts and I'm trying to absorb all this advice. And it was all, it was Mike Boone this, Mike Boone that, Mike Boone this. And well, in the previous it, week, Mike Boone actually had 20 points and change uh, against the Chargers. So he actually came off of a pretty good week uh, going into that. So Yeah, which, which more than likely led to my decision as well. The, the part that was killing me was um, I think that I didn't play Aaron Jones who went off on like, he may have won off in the exact same game. Um, unfortunately, I think that it wouldn't have mattered. I, I still think Nate would have beat me, and I was okay with that. I was at peace then because uh, it was Aaron Jones. Oh, or did you pick Aaron Jones, actually, Nate? I think you may Nate have had Aaron Jones. Like yeah, he was a I, – when I saw that you moved to Mike Boone, yeah, uh, that's when I picked up Aaron just in case you had any last-minute changes of heart. <laughs> and I did. But I'm not sure I would have acted on them. But uh, I, I I saw that Aaron Jones was available throughout the day, and I was weighing it up and weighing it up. And then you took that option away from me. And then I think Jones may have had like three touchdowns that night or two touchdowns. But again, I think I did the math, and it wouldn't have mattered. And 
I slept better at night. Knowing yeah. I left, well, if we if we back out, so back out what Boone scored, and so you would have that would dropped you to what one one thirty nine, and then back out what I had with Devontae Adams. Uh, so that that puts me at one forty four, I think. So it was pretty close going into that game between, you know, I was only up on you by five points or so and you had Boone and I had Devonte Adams. So it was a toss up. I think at that point, like it could have, it could have gone either way. Um, but I definitely, as soon as I saw Aaron Jones and I had a moment of panic when I saw him on the, the waiver wire and I knew that you would think about it and potentially pick him up at some point too. last minute. That's when I snagged him and, and threw him on there. But even then, man, like I know you had a crap game for Mike Boone and even DeAndre Hopkins, who was a pretty pivotal all season long, only scored three points in that, that championship matchup. But I thought I had great matchups with Chris Carson. He scored nine points. Zeke Elliott, 13 Joe Mixon nine, you know, it just you 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 look at this roster and you mentioned it, Tony. Like both teams were stacked, and even then we still had you know stars that scored less than ten points uh, each, and so you just you never know. The Sean Watson, just looking at it now, him and Hopkins together was kind of a, a killer blow for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16 points out of those two. And that was one-third of what just Saquon Barkley put up by himself that week. Yeah. Yeah, so that was another thing with... Because I, I want to say the Lamar Jackson... Lamar Jackson and Michael Thomas, I think, played before that Sa- before Saquon did. Because I, I know that at one point I had a huge cushion... And I thought, okay, I'm I'm good to go here. Like I've got such a huge padding, and then all of a sudden Saquon has a damn near fifty point game, and you were right back in it. It's like, god damn it! Like I just can't, I can't break away from you, man. Like <laughs> I must have done the math wrong because it looks like if I had picked up Aaron Jones and started him over Mike Boo, and I probably it looks like I would have won. You would have. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Damn it. I was doing the math too, but I didn't want to say anything. <sighs> it's okay. I, I did. Admittedly, I, I made a decision to also, I mean, I sat, I got so tired of Alvin Kamara, like shit in the bed. <laughs> um, Cause I'm fairly certain the week before I started Kamara, let me check real quick. Uh, week 15, I did start Kamara and he just was, he let me down. I, I felt so good that he was going to be a, a good addition. And then going to this championship game, I was like, I'll, I'll start Chris Carson over Kamara. I like the matchup a little bit more at home versus the Cardinals. And then Kamara goes off. It's just like, oh. <laughs> So you bring up the fact that you had Aaron Jones sitting on the waiver wire and you were able to pick him up for nothing. Um, Aaron Jones was the RB3 or RB4 last year. I mean, after Christian McCaffrey and then a couple other guys, I'm pretty sure he was the third or fourth running back sitting on the waiver wire unclaimed. I mean, that just kind of says a lot about what the rosters look like toward the end. Um, When there's all these guys sitting on on the the waiver wire that you can pick up for literally zero beyond just having to drop a player for it, 
that's one of the most difficult decisions is trying to figure out which players would have to get cut to take them on. Um, when I found this league format, then that's what one of the biggest recommendations was, is don't get, don't fall into that trap of saying gigantic rosters where you can stash guys. Uh, one of the, the better strategies is to make people figure out who you have to cut toward the final, final couple of weeks. Uh, can you guys recall any uh, specific instances where you really had to drop a big name player? And um, if so, who who was that, and, and did it work out for you? I, I think for me, um, I was stuck with running backs for like the last five weeks of the season. Um, uh, a few of them were there in my final squad of Saquon, McCaffrey, um, Derek Henry, Le'Veon Bell. I think I may have had Eckler at some point. Um, That's a hell of a combination. Yeah, and it was difficult to choose each week and and then I think I even had Gurley in there and it was just like I've got to drop one of these guys and <laughs> had it been season long you know you, you'd never even think twice about dropping any of these guys and I was like I, one of them's got to go and I ended up dropping Gurley which I think worked out fine I'm, I'm pretty sure he fizzled out towards the end of the season um, but it, it was tough each week I mean obviously the namesake you go with Saquon and McCaffrey every week but Sure. When Derek Henry's got a home game or, or Le'Veon Bell's got a, a cush matchup, it, you can kind of talk yourself into that kind of thing. And not to go back uh, a few minutes to, to kind of discuss my biggest mistake of the season, but I think another thing that led to that decision of starting Mike Boone was, and this is only just looking at my lineup again, is I believe Derek Henry was ruled out on the Saturday before. He was. He was, yeah. And he was my starting running back. So Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to justify the huge. So, so that led to the panic for for Mike Boone. Got it. It's, yeah. It well, again, looking at Mike Boone's stats, I mean, like I said, he put up 20 points the week before and 27 or 29 points um, in week 17. It was just that one matchup against the Packers where he he just shit the bed for you. Yeah, uh, I think I, when I was watching the game, it was one of those where every time the offense had the ball, I was like, "That's not Mike Boone in a running back. Where's Mike <laughs> Boone? That's not Mike Boone in a running back." What about you, Nate? Um, I mean, there weren't any, I don't think there were really any difficult decisions that I had. Some of it were bye weeks and just shifting some players around. I know to me, it felt like everything just kind of lined out. Like when, I when players got hurt, it was also when I needed to drop some players or I also utilize that IR spot. Um, to help navigate and shift around players at the right time. So, you know, if we eliminate the ability to do that in these leagues this year, which we need to, yeah, that's going to play a dynamic as well. You know, that's going to play into it because that, that essentially gave you an extra roster spot to help move people around as somebody that maybe you wanted to hold on to, or at least prevent somebody else from obtaining. And for anybody listening in, I just want to interject real quick. Uh, We discovered, once the season began that my fantasy league allows you to kind of stash a player on your injured reserve spot, even if they weren't injured. So um, once we found that it was an option, we didn't want to reject the possibility of using it. So we just let it slide. Um, And that effectively created an additional roster spot. Uh, So if somebody was on a buy or if they were knocked out for one week and you just need to, you don't, you didn't want to drop them, um, that allowed you to basically have a a sixth uh, bench spot. And 
it was useful. Everybody took, or almost everybody took use of it. Um, but then this year we're just going into it with uh, the expectation that that is not an option. So like Nate said, that'll add a little bit of additional level of uh, strategy where uh, we only have five roster spots for benches instead of, uh, instead of six. And one, one spot doesn't seem like that much, but it can really make a world of difference, uh, especially toward the end when you have all these superstars that you really don't want to cut, but you have to make room sometimes. Uh, so whether that means your, your backup quarterback or, or your, your fourth wide receiver has to go, um, that's what you got to do to make it happen. I will say, you know, you know, getting back about potential drops and stuff. I mean, you you can look at what our draft roster was and you can look at what our rosters look like in 14, week 14, 15, and 16. But there were certainly a ton of moves and navigation, you know, from 2 through 13. And I know Andrew's the same way. You know, a lot of it was looking at matchups, playing the matchups, looking at, you know, these home teams that had, you know, poor defenses they were going against and, you know, teams that were just hot and players that were hot and offenses that were hot. Um, and there were some players that certainly cooled down and that ended up just, I dropped from my roster because other players were heating up, you know, and I think one example of that is, you know, for me, like Julian Edelman was a cheap, mm-hmm. cheap pickup player for me, but I picked him up at the right time and he was hot. And then it just got to the point where I just, there were too many valuable wide receivers that were scoring more points than him. And he just dropped off my roster, but he certainly played a part of getting me there in those, those mid season weeks. You know, I think it was just being smart about those matchups and there was, I was paying attention much more to the actual NFL matchups and the, what it was looking like and how teams were trending. I think that, uh, I think trades really benefited me. I don't think there's too many in this league. Um, but a strategy that I had, um, was when a team was close to elimination the week before, I felt that they had a sense of desperation and they'd be looking mm-hmm. to make a move. And those were kind of the people I'd target, um, not necessarily to take advantage of, but to give them a piece that they needed. Um, for a piece you that just I, them, you just got to make them pay a premium for it, right? Exactly. Or I get something in return I don't need right now, but in a few weeks it's going to be huge for me. Um, that that was one thing that I kept an eye on. The other was when we got down to maybe the last four players, and I think Nate was doing similar. Um, I was keeping a close eye on budget remaining for each player and seeing mm-hmm. how much everyone had to spend. And then when the top player was available, I think like McCaffrey was available near the end, and I knew. If I bid like fifteen dollars, no one else could match me. But right. at the same time, it would it would leave me with like three dollars left over the rest of the season. But it was one of them that you had to weigh up. But you, you've got to pay attention to the amount of money people have got left. I agree with that, and I think you know when we got to the at least the final three, you know I knew how much you had, and I knew how much. Let's see who was actually in the final three with us. Nathan uh, Brooks. Nathan Brooks. You know, between the final three and week 14, uh, when we had Jared in there with us, um, you know, we knew exactly how much each other had. We knew once we got to the final three, who was on the waiver wire. We knew what each team's needs were. So we knew who was going to be bidding on what 
or what we think you would be bidding on what. Uh, so there was definitely some like cat and mouse like strategy there of like, okay, I think he, he will need this player. This is how much he's going to bid. I know he's smart. He's going to save probably one or $2 here. So I'm going to max bid because I think I can overpower him. Cause I, it's just, it was, it was a, a bit chess, chessish. Uh, I think in the end and you <laughs> did have to, you had to take some risks and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I was totally overthinking this, but I feel Andrew, you had some of the same thoughts um, going through in that, those final couple of weeks and knowing that like there, there was a huge advantage to at least having, even if it's one or $2 going into that final week, just for me to pick up somebody over whoever I'm going against. Um, yeah big time and then the frustrating part would be waking up the next day and seeing who you've got and seeing that no one else bid on that player that you thought <laughs> there'd be a lot of competition for and you, you spent six dollars on him or something uh, like that oh shit so that. you you make a good point so that was one thing i completely forgot about so the the fab system tony i thought was great and be able to tier it and basically where we can make multiple bid scenarios conditional um, bids yeah. yeah conditional bids that was great I think the funnest part of my day though, too, and I can't tell you how many times I was doing this while I was driving to work was as soon as I think it was like, was it seven o'clock in the morning? 7am. I think so. Yeah. As soon as 7am hit and all those, all the bids processed and were awarded, then it was just like, whoever's left. Oh my God. And there were so many times there were players. It was like, how is this person here? And it was just like I made it a point to I made it a point to get into the office at six forty five in the morning on Wednesdays, uh, just so I can get into the, the exact same thing. There were like three or four of us doing the exact same strategy. Uh, I know Andrew was because he was. He I was think right it was the three there. of us. Yeah, I bet if you if if you could pull up the activity for that time period for each <laughs> week, it would be at it, at its peak. Seven oh one, seven oh two every morning. Yeah, I am kind of curious because those were those weren't waiver ad drops is that what they were we were, we received individual emails for for pickups okay. uh so if you just look in your whichever email you use for that that'll show up it's coming through at seven o'clock 701 702 every every wednesday morning i feel like i remember getting a message from tony at like 705 one week saying you know usob you got daniel <laughs> jones like two minutes ahead of me or something and then I don't even think I played Daniel Jones that week, just to spite you. I love it. Well, while you guys are looking that up, I just want to run down your rosters. for Again, for anybody who wasn't in this league and you didn't look at the, the details of, of the email, this is the, the two final rosters. So this is what these teams looked like uh, for the championship week. So Andrew had uh, Deshaun Watson at, court, at quarterback, obviously. Uh, running backs were Saquon Barkley, Mike Boone, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, George Kittle as tight end, and then the New England Patriots uh, defense, uh, which was the number one defense by, by a large margin last year. And then you had guys like Le'Veon Bell, Derrick Henry, Jarvis Landry, Brashad Perriman, and Darren Waller all sitting on his bench. Nate Myers, meanwhile, has Lamar Jackson starting at quarterback, uh, Chris Carson, Zeke Elliott, and Joe Mixon as his three running backs. And uh, we mentioned before that the third running back is basically the flex uh, that they used. Uh, three receivers were Devontae Adams, uh, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas. 
Travis Kelsey as the tight end. So again, tight end one versus tight end two on, on these teams. And then the Ravens defense, which is another top three, top four defense. Uh, binge of Russell Wilson, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, and A.J. Brown. I mean, just looking at the benches for these guys, uh, anybody would love to have any two or three guys as their, some of their best starters in, in a normal fantasy league. These guys weren't even uh, good enough to get the start on your teams. So I, I think one of the most fun things from a spectator point of view was watching the, the waiver claims from week 15 to week 16 when the third team, Nate uh, Nathan Brooks, was eliminated and you guys kind of scavenged over him with your $1, $2 bids <laughs> um, and compiling a third of the best players in the league uh, to kind of fight over uh, among the two of you and then to put together your, your final rosters for that championship week. I mean, I've got to imagine your mindsets going into that. I mean, you had to realize that basically – half of his team should belong on your team and the other half goes on, on the other team. Um, do you guys remember much of, uh, I mean, did you have a ton of conditional bids in place for that? What strategy did you have to go in just single in on one guy or did you say, let me just put in claims for everybody and just see what I get, see what happens. I think we were limited with our budgets. If I remember right, I think I had. You both I, only had sure. a couple dollars left, yeah. So you, yeah, you probably had, had like, a lot of zero dollar bids. Exactly. I think I had like three dollars, maybe, and Nate had five. I know he had more than me um, going in, but um, I, I think I had no. two. Okay, then maybe I had one or zero actually, because I, I may have <laughs> gone all in on McCaffrey the week before, or whatever, but. I don't so much remember one single player going for because I feel like I had a strong basis going in. Um, but again, I think that that Derek Henry injury on that Saturday, I think I kind of knew going into that week there was something up with him. He may have left the game early the week before. So I knew that was a position I may have to replace. Um, but the rest of the team, I'm not sure if there was anyone really who I picked up in that last week going into it. I'm looking at it now. It looks like you... Most of your players you got for zero dollars, but you spent a dollar on Brashad Perryman. <laughs> uh, that's when he was he was hot towards the end of the season when all the books received him. Yeah, which I don't know. So I know the week that um, I guess when uh, Nathan Brooks got eliminated. You know, that's looking back at the roster. So that's. I picked up Russell Wilson for free, Julio Jones for free, but I dropped Odell Beckham. I've got Leonard Fournette, and I dropped Miles Sanders. I picked up Zach Ertz, and I dropped Mark Andrews. Um, and that's my goal was to to see what I could get for free, knowing that Andrew had some needs. And I think maybe this was going into week three. Or the, the final three. Um, because I know I saved... I wanted Andrew to hopefully spend everything he had so that going into... If I made it to the final matchup, I wanted $2. And that's I ended up using that on Zeke Elliott um, going into that final game and picking up some other players for Kelsey for $0, AJ Brown for $0, and Aaron Jones for $0. Um, but it, there definitely was some, some weird moves at those last couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of second guessing for sure. Yeah. Well, 
ultimately, uh, like I said, you guys made it to the damn very end, and uh, kudos to both of you, and slightly more to, to Nate for, for winning the whole damn thing. So, uh, again, congrats, gentlemen, and uh, enjoy your money. Yeah, that was um, spent the first week of COVID, so that was like <laughs> that was one week's worth of Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that was right at the very beginning of COVID. Now, that in, in hindsight, that I think about it, yeah, yeah, that was that was about uh, you know alcohol funds for uh, a week. All right, so moving on to 2020, uh, it's a very much an if not a win at this point. It just seems like there's a lot of a lot of stuff up in the air, but we're also slightly optimistic. I mean, they just announced today that baseball is coming back on possibly my birthday on July 23rd. So here in about one month. Um, so we're, we're going to keep our fingers crossed uh, that the football season happens as well. Um, I've already emailed the league details to pretty much anybody who would be listening, especially this far in into this podcast. Uh, there's 13 different kind of guillotine leagues that I would like to do. I mean, there's the classic guillotine league, which is basically what we did last year with an auction draft and uh, nothing fancy. There's some other simple basic ones uh, with this guillotine idea. I mean, there's one with just a snake draft, snake draft instead of an auction draft. One that is simply an auto draft where you don't even have a draft to worry about. And there's some other ones that are a little bit more complex. Uh, there's, I mean, just by by their names, there's the, the Double Dip, the Survivor, the Living Dangerously ones. Um, most are $100 per team. A few of them are uh, lower or higher. One's, I think, 40 bucks. The other one's for $250 per team. Um, so I guess my question to you guys, I, again, this is just from, from my weird ass mind uh and a a little bit of feedback from from some people on how to tweak some of these um which of these beyond the the vanilla ones uh the just the basic classic snake and and auto draft um which of those are most interesting to you uh and why and also for someone that's willing to give this a shot for the first time around uh which of those kind of non-vanilla ones do you uh recommend that they give a shot on Let's see. Um, I know that I'm going to be in on Classic. And me and Nate were speaking earlier. I'm definitely going to try and get in on one of these snake ones, um, whichever one fills probably in, in case one of them doesn't. Um, I kind of feel like there'll be a lot of value in snake drafts. But I could also get inside my own head and, I don't know, pick AJ Green again. Something ridiculous. <laughs> um, I do like... The double dip seems interesting. I know that you still you were still working that one out as to how many versions of the same player. Um, I don't know. I, I could see I could see myself having a few beers one evening and just sending you too much money and saying sign me up, <laughs> um, and then either regretting it or loving the decision I made. But I I can see myself being in at least at least two, maybe three of these. For, for somebody who's not done this in the past, I mean, you at least go in with one year of experience, and that's, I think, going to be instrumental to to at least coming out with an early lead. I mean, still, you have to get the right players, but you at least have a good one-year leg up on a lot of other teams. Uh, for, for teams that are thinking about this for the first time, I mean, what do you think would be something uh, worth trying if they don't want to do just the, the boring classic one or, or the snake or, or the auto draft? Is there anyone with a, any of the the My, weird uh, variables uh, that you think they would 
that would be worth giving a shot on? I I probably recommend the no early elimination. Is it when no one gets okay. eliminated for the first few weeks? Because I think that gives right. people enough time to find their feet. Um, but that could also be a good target for one of us. I'm not going to call us sharks, but we've played this before, and our strategy would differ. I think knowing that we can kind of take, as Nate said with his draft previously, that risk reward. You could really go for mm-hmm. it in this. You don't have to worry about it for the first few weeks and then you kind of see how everything right. pans out. But um, I feel like that would be the easiest one for for the newbies to the league. I think also probably the, the auto draft, you know, just simply because, I mean, I would say that there's a higher degree of difficulty for majority of these that include a, an auction draft. And I think if it's your first time getting into it, I would recommend either a snake draft um to give you some time to think through your picks um as opposed to just jumping straight into where not only is the format new but auction is probably new um and that can be a bit it's it's very easy to mess Intimidating. up time mm-hmm. it's just you can get so overwhelmed with how fast it's happening and not quite know what, when you should bid what you should strike for and like how much how much should you wager on your first player? And then next thing you know, all the players are gone. Um, it can get but, away from you quick. Yeah, it happens that quick. So I'd, I'd recommend for anybody new, probably the boring ones. Um, and I say boring, but it's just, that's manageable. Um, and then maybe the auto draft. And I agree with you, Andrew, maybe the no early eliminations just to allow some people to, they can learn a little bit. Plus, with that idea, at least your season doesn't end in week one. Even though you're not necessarily playing playing for anything, you can at least manage your team for four to five plus weeks uh, instead of getting knocked out in the beginning of September. Okay, um, just to clarify, I know there's 13 options on here and, and potentially more if, if people want to fill up multiple iterations of, of a certain uh, certain type. Uh, but there's no intention of actually de- dealing with 13 different uh, leagues on here. Uh, the goal is to find out which ones are the most popular and then just kind of hoping that domino effect begins uh, and then people begin filling up those popular ones pretty quickly. Um, ideally, I would like to run four of these leagues uh, if we can fill up that many. Or two or three, yeah, but four is really what I've capped as far as my commission responsibilities I'm willing to take on. Um, I received a ton of interest and curiosity in the first week. Uh, I, I sent the email out one week ago today. Uh, I've got about 16 or 17 different people send in questions or show general interest. Uh, not too many firm commitments as, as I was expecting. Uh, I know there's still still a lot of variables in play, especially with uh, this pandemic, uh, not to mention that we're still two and a half months away from the regular season. Um, but what do you guys, uh, Nate, Andrew, uh, what do you think people would need to see or hear more of uh, to kind of move them from that interested to in on these leagues uh, like i said i know it's early i know there's still a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts if you were somebody thinking about joining for the first time here what would you want to see or hear uh to make that happen i think just the names filling up the leagues um i mean i i completely forgot i've not sent you over my money so i'll be sending that over tomorrow <laughs> and that's all it takes sometimes, right? Is people start getting a little bit worrisome as, oh, I don't want to miss out on this one. I'm sure the classic's going to fill. Um, so I'm pretty sure that'll be the first one to go. And then from there, I'm sure there'll be some people who are like, okay, well, I missed out on classic. I'm going to jump over to this one. 
But um, I mean, I, I, I have a feeling that seeing the way that the rest of the sports around the world are being played, even with empty stadiums, this will go ahead. There's too much money involved in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's all people need to, to kind of motivate them into to signing up. But I think get a few more names going here um, and, and that'll really drive the numbers. Yeah, I actually agree 100% on that. Uh, I was thinking that domino effect. I was trying to nudge that, I mean, as much as I can with an email, if you print it out, that's like nine goddamn pages long. But uh, I tried to kind of hint that, hey, let's go ahead and get this domino effect started. Sign up early. And the ones that are signed up for early, those will likely fill up because those are the ones people tend to see all the names on. But um, i got a couple of people in so far and a few more that are ready to go. I think they just need uh, that extra little little motivation. So uh, once we get this posted, and I'll, I'll email this out to, to everybody on that list, put it on Facebook, put it on a few other places, and uh, see if we can get some, some additional, additional interest through this. I mean, um, I, I'm I'm fairly certain that everyone who played classic last year showed enough interest that they want to come back and play. Exactly. So that you, right I agree. There, yeah, the 17 people right there, and then there's going to be others who want to join. Well, even uh, even Chris Lindley, who was knocked out in week one, I, I've been talking to him uh, when we were playing poker together. Uh, he says, "Hey, I, I want to do this again." Like I think he saw the value in the league. Uh, he just ran into a really shitty streak of bad luck with his first week roster. Uh, I'm pretty sure Victor Garcia, who went out in week two, and if he made it longer in the season, I'm sure you would have seen a lot more trades in this league. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure Nate can, I'm sure you both can agree to that. Yeah. Uh, so I know the guys that were out early, that they still saw value in it. They just, it just wasn't their year. So yeah, I think every, every single person that was in there last year is going to want another shot at it. So hopefully we can get some more signups uh, quickly and then that'll have that snowball effect on getting everything else filled up. Um, guys, we're a little bit over one hour into this. I'm actually finished on all my notes. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about on this topic or anything else for this podcast? The, the only thing I had on guillotine, so I guess a couple questions. Um, I think definitely this podcast will help educate some people um, to walk through really our first season and first go at this. Um, but I think it's just letting people know how exciting it is that this is going to be more exciting than probably any league you've ever played in while you're in it. Uh, it sucks when you're out, but when you're in, it's intense. Um, and it's it's like playoff fantasy football every single week when you're in it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what makes it fun. And there's more strategy to it. It actually gives you a reason to pay attention every single week because um, you have to. Otherwise, you will you'll most likely get eliminated. Um I think there'll there'll be some people that maybe are a little tentative just to the price point, a hundred dollars a league. Um, you know, for for us addicts, that's you know, we can we can swallow that. Um, but I know for somebody maybe coming in for the first time, that initial investment might seem challenging. Um, but I think you you can rationalize it and get people behind it and maybe well, I, I- that is the reason that I set up that, that $40 league the thinking, mm-hmm. Hey, if there's nobody that wants to throw a hundred bucks at it, Hey, 40 bucks, I can swing. Um, yeah. I figured, Hey, if that one fills up, I can set up another one. Uh, we can do multiple $40 leagues if it comes to that point. And I set up the, the two fifty in case there's some, some hardcore degenerates that, that really wanted to get a couple thousand dollars out there. But, um, yeah, I tried to accommodate to every different possible level of, uh, of interest in terms of financial commitment. So, um, and I just wanted to confirm that 
as Nate said, this really is the most entertaining, exciting league that, that I've ever done. Uh, even though I was knocked out halfway through, um, I was paying attention to more games, far more than the standard, just tuning into NFL red zone and, and just watching the touchdowns. I wanted to see a freaking seven yard slant pass to golden Tate for a first down. Uh, that made the difference from, from getting me from week six to week seven or whatever it was. Uh, and then I, another golden Tate missed touchdown reception, knocked me out in, in week nine, but every single play can make a difference on whether your team survives and, until the very end or, or you can get knocked out a whole lot earlier. So uh, I thought it was fantastic uh even though i was only made it halfway through and I, I really can't wait to get another shot at you bastards so one one comment i had my question to you and i'm sure you you might receive feedback on or questions but obviously you know you mentioned ideally a cap on four leagues or four full leagues i think it's very it's possible depending on where you share this information that more than four could fill. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, depending on where you share. So really my question comes down to, I know in some of these leagues, obviously there's uh, kind of a premium service being provided by yourself as commissioner. Um, and I know that comes with a half price entry. So let's say that this expands beyond four. Do you think that that's something that will carry over beyond four? Um, or if it, is that even doable to be able to kind of provide those, those premium services beyond four? Very good question. And thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Not to put I, you on the spot, Tony. No, no, not at all. Uh, it's actually worth talking about. I, I do have on, on all the details here that one of the, the components of this league, as far as the payouts, ultimately first place pays me, pays me half of my entry, 50 bucks to play. I, I'm paying for half price, $50 instead of a hundred dollars or, or $20 instead of $40 for a cheaper league. Uh, because the commission duties, I mean, you can be a commission for this league and it's really, you can just set it up and say, here you go, have fun. Um, but I think based on how last year went, as far as keeping track of the numbers and keeping track of the additional statistics beyond just what you can find on, on the website, um, I saw value and I don't know if, if you two, the guys who made it to the, to the championship week uh, really kind of took saw value in, in what I provided for the first three quarters of the season before I just kind of got bored with it after I was out and gave up. Um, but I thought that was some useful information that if you take, you, you can, you can benefit from it. Um, however, it is a shitload of work and that was for only one league. Um, I'm, I'm willing to put in that time and effort for, at least basically three dollars per person throughout the rest of the league. Uh, hmm. So uh, fifty dollars for for the buy-in to to put in that time and effort each week. Um, if there's more leagues to fill up, uh, I'm happy to do it kind of for free. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't probably provide that premium level of granularity, that level of detail, that level of statistics. But I can at least set up more leagues and, and kind of commission it normally. Um, free of charge that that's not a problem for for me um but yeah to, to answer your question though i think four is my cap as far as what i'm willing to commit to time wise mm. um it's usually about two hours two to three hours per week per league um I, I think i can set up some automate some of the processes where i can get that down to only a couple more hours for for up to four leagues um but yeah the, the, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into the communications and then also just kind of stats management and, uh, and data tracking of it. Um, 
since you guys made it made it further than anybody else, do you think any of the information that I provided was useful uh, to you? Uh, I mean, most of it was just put up on Slack. Uh, was that something that that you guys found value in? I I honestly look forward to it every week. <laughs> so when when you got knocked out, it was kind of a uh, you know we we missed that extra information that we would receive in slack each week of hey i, I, I kept it i kept it going for like two more weeks after that before i got kind of burnt out I, I still wanted to keep it going but then after that i just kind of lost uh lost a little bit of motivation at that point yeah i think we were still firing questions to you like week 13 week week 14 <laughs> tony how did this work out how did that work out i yeah. don't care there, there, there was a ton of value in it i know like kind of after you fell off i know i kind of had to pick up the reins and send out information as far as where we were with fab budgets and what who made what offers and what the current remainder was and average spend but it wasn't it wasn't the full detail analysis that that you were doing so i think you know part of the reason for my ask is one knowing where the cap would be in terms of when is too much (laughs) how many leagues is too much but also if you want to to get people involved uh, and to join this league, I think showing them what you were doing um, and the the feedback on a week to week basis and how we were analyzing, you know, these free agent pickups and the fab spins, and I think that's a oh god, I'll, I'll meet me, Mike. Carry on. It's a, it's eleven o'clock. I think that's a that's a good opportunity, Tony, too, to also showcase that that value add because I, I do think that is a, a value add to these leagues as well as as fun and exciting and complicated as they are i think what you do and what you'll provide through the entire season helps pull everything together for some people so being able to if you if you want to take advantage of it i think it can help Uh, i know some people just said it wasn't for them it didn't really pertain to them or they didn't have the time or effort to to dick with it and if you do i respect that i I know that that jared uh, salman was one of those he just was going on his phone he never got on slack Uh, so the only reason i sent some of the emails out were to communicate with jared Mm -hmm. um i think everybody else in our league was on slack where i was sending everything and so jared made it to the final four so it's not like you can't get by without it but at the same time, I think uh, if you take advantage of that information, it's it's definitely going to help you more than it's going to hurt. Any other questions for you, sir? I don't know if Andrew's uh, clock is done yet or if he's still waiting on that to finish up. No, no, it didn't. It, it only just did the little, uh, the little sing song this time. There's no extra chimes for some reason. <laughs> but um, no, I was just going to say that I had no idea how this league was going to go. It was in a a different website um the mfl website which i I have used in the past but not frequently not me an espn kind of guy on season long but um i found that after week one that the first app i was opening every sunday was the mfl app before Mm -hmm. my espn app it quickly became my favorite league and uh i don't know just that that Monday, monday night sweat there's nothing like it I I agree. Yeah. So Tony, if if you know, what is the game plan? Do you have any plans to potentially expand to people outside of our our circle? If if I guess enrollment is is not as high as we had planned. Well, I, I've thought about that, and honestly, I, I want to keep it at least 
kind of one layer deep as far as friends of friends. Like if, if I don't know him personally, at least somebody that y'all know, mm -hmm. uh, if, if we can't fill up two or three, maybe four leagues uh, with that group of people, I, I'm, I'm open to throwing this out there to the, the fantasy football subreddit and, and some other places on the internet. Um, my concern there is that kind of opens up the potential for sharks. I mean, I, I don't know if somebody's going to really dick with, uh, something like this for only a thousand dollars or whatever it would end up being for, for the amount of effort, it, it's pretty decent. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know if it would really attract the, the guys that are really try trying to swindle you. Um, however, yeah, if it comes to that point, I'm not open, I'm not opposed to soliciting kind of beyond, uh, our, our normal circle of guys and gals. Yeah. You, you mentioned that I didn't even think about if you opened it up to general public or subreddits, uh, forums, it would be very difficult also to manage if somebody purchased multiple teams in the same league. Um, good point. Yeah. You know, that, that could also be, uh, something to be worried about. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think just thinking out loud, but I agree. I, I think I want to share it with some of the people that I've played with in other leagues that we trust that may not be on these email chains or, you know, I know we've used Slack now as our central hub of information and I, I love Slack. I love how it's been kind of pulling together these, these different leagues and tying in different groups from around. So. Sure. Yeah. I think it's especially useful for you because you're in every damn league that I'm in on there. So, uh, it's a good kind of one-stop shop if you're in a, a multiple leagues where you can use it for all of your fantasy communication or at least most of it. Uh, the more that you're in, the more benefit it provides. I, so. I'd be surprised if you need to even reach out past the friends of the friends. I, I've got at least five or six people that every time I'd have a beer last year during the season, I'm like, oh, check out this league. I mean, <laughs> check out this guillotine league. I mean, and they'd be like, you know, let me know if, if that happens again. So I plan on sharing it to, to outside of our normal circle. I'm sure other people will do the same. Well, uh, once we get this podcast posted, uh, hopefully I'm guessing tomorrow, maybe the day after when, when Nate has, uh, has his audio ready, uh, we'll get this email sent out uh, as a reply to that email. So it'll, so everybody will have access to all that information again, but hopefully we can start getting those signups uh, pretty soon. And like we were saying before, if we can get that, that domino effect on getting those early signups and that'll motivate everybody else to, to start uh, moving forward as well. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll work. Uh, I'll get this podcast up and out. Um, I'll have to do some editing of big Ben, like about 10 seconds of edit time. So cheers, Andrew. Um, You're you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, but I have nothing else. I know we've, we've been on here for an hour and almost 20 minutes now. So, well, gentlemen, I do appreciate your time. Uh, Nate, Andrew, anything else you guys have before we wrap up? Just nothing get ready, really, get ready yeah. for next year, dude. Like, it's fucking coming, man. Bring, it's coming. bring it straight. <laughs> hey, all, all my little early stats on, on PFFs, uh, run defense, pass defense, players to avoid, players to target, I'll, I'll have that ready too. So if anybody's ready to, to check, take a look at that, I'm going to have that ready probably by the end of July. Awesome. Michael Thomas, Aaron Jones, I was I hit on both of them. Uh, let's see if it works out again this season. But well, I'll be there to this. claim them. So. <laughs> I appreciate your time, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Night, guys. Take care.